Hey, hey, mama, do you make me groove? Do you make me sweat? Gonna make you move. Please don't DCCA me, please. I've got in my hand the polar black cherry. Oh, black cherry, bang a lang. Oh, black cherry, bang a lang. She's from Alabang, bang a lang. It's good. It's, in my opinion, the best of the seltzers I've had. It's got the most flavor combined with the most carbonation. Uh, it's the closest thing to actual soda you can have in terms of tasting kind of sweet and having the, the powerful kick of carbonation. Oh, man, everyone's talking about that election still, huh? No one's sick of it? Really? After all that time, no one's sick of it? You don't think anywhere near the end people just get a little exhausted right beforehand? But nope. Now the, the news today is, after everyone was basically solidifying around the idea that Biden was inevitable, uh, actually, hold on a minute. Uh, not only are a bunch of write-in votes likely to be uh, not counted, but what's this? Oh my God, the Democrats are neglecting Latino and uh, black outreach and turnout, just like they did in 2016. <gasps> is it happening again, as the big guy from Twin Peaks said? I mean, it could be. It could be. It could be, but I don't think so. I think the shift, the white shift in the electorate towards Trump is so significant. I think it swamps all other considerations. Coupled with higher turnout than last time. To me, uh, that feels like all of the 2016-esque and reminiscent stuff uh, is going to be backwash compared to that. But we'll see. But that's it. No more talking about the dumb election. Oh. See, I already said, I already said it. I'm not talking, I don't know what's going to happen. I said I think what might happen. But beyond that, it's all a Ouija board. Who the hell knows? Hanging around in the Bartwick garage, singing out in my house. Yeah, uh, could Lincoln have won without Johnson in 1864? Of course he could have. That was one of the worst political calculations made by a political party ever. And you got to give Lincoln some blame for that, although I don't think it was solely his decision. But the decision, it was a very, very, very Project Lincoln move, ironically enough. It was a gesture towards the, uh, I guess you'd call them, never-Trump Republicans of their day, which were the Unionist Southerners and border state slave owners. And uh, the Republicans are so desperate to appear to be this transcendent party that was not looking to declare war on uh, its border states so that they could be kept in the Union, not spook them out. Not only did they try to do uh, compensated uh, uh, manumission in Delaware, 
which the Delaware slave owners rejected, even as the war was ending, which really proves that there was no way they were ever going to buy out slaveocracy. That was never on the table. And anybody who says it is, like Rand Paul's, uh, Ron Paul's a dumbass. And so they, not only did they not run as the Republican ticket, they ran on the National Union ticket. They got as the VP, instead of one of these scary northern abolitionists, uh, they get fucking Andrew Johnson, the only uh, elected federal elected official from a seceded state to have stayed loyal. He was, from, he was a senator from Tennessee. And so they put him on there as a gesture of... Uh, of uh, olive branch when it came down to it he was he won thanks in large part to the military vote the guy the boys in the field voted for Lincoln the the Union Army supplied a huge percentage of the votes for Lincoln and they I don't think they gave a shit about uh, some cultish uh, border staters or butternuts but I gotta say even if there'd been a radical Republican in the as as VP, I think anybody other than Lincoln in that spot is going to lead make it hard, much harder for uh, Reconstruction to have any chance of, of of a greater impact or success. You really needed Lincoln there. We really that's a real keyhole spot, in my opinion. When you consider the flex the the liquidity of the moment. Uh, and the stature of the man is whatever you want to say about Lincoln. It's impossible to imagine the South, the, the war happening the same way without him. Uh, and I know a lot of that is retrospective, but his mastery of the moment was such that you can imagine him in a situation that fluid in the aftermath of a war that he had steered the country through being a, a lightning pole for like progressive mobilization and concept and uh, and uh, like the awakening notion of like class orientation over race race orientation, and he was the only one who could have done it. You really needed that guy. We only had four spots in the fail bracket. There were a lot of fails, people we missed. I mean, my God, the entire Bush family is a bunch of failed people. I mean, George W. Bush is somehow a two-term president and fail son at the same time. How the hell do you manage that? And then, of course, you got Jeb, who's one of the failest, failest of all. But there's only so much room. And I honestly feel like even if you put them in there, uh, DJ TJ wins just because of this the sheer desperate, sad nakedness of it. I would feel better. I would feel worse for Don Jr. if he didn't take out his pathetic insecurities on endangered species and like some of the most majestic creatures on Earth 
any one of whom's life was worth that of ten Don Juniors. And look at him. He's trying to build a political career around his fucking uh, likes. I mean, how much more naked can the desperation be? The government needs to make people like me more. That's what it comes down to. That's what that whole strain of conservative grievance is. It's the government's fault that people don't like me. And they'll say, no, 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 it's because they're throttling my content and they're shadow banning me and all. And if it wasn't for those things, blah, 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 it all boils down to you're not as popular as you think you should be. Pathetic. That's not a political concern. It's just a pure pathology. And that is why I think... uh, uh, And that is why... um, Fuck. Fuck, somebody threw me off. Like people are talking about Nick Land in the comments. I'm like, what? Why are we doing Neo Neo reaction? I mean, we're a little beyond that, aren't we? Are we are we wearing uh, bell bottoms? But no, the reason that uh, Donald Trump will never be president is because the, the naked need is too great. He doesn't even have the ability to give it a patina of uh, like policy gloss. Like Trump's Trump had build the wall. And while I think that there is a core to the Republican base that does care more than anything about their Facebook likes, I don't know. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get there. If, if, the, if the snowman keeps melting the way that it is, the Republican Party is going to be more housebound and more delusional and more convinced that the only thing that matters is whether or not people like them on the Internet and therefore will be more responsive to a naked little mole rat like Don Jr., We really need Baron to become the Quinzach Haderach. It's really our only hope. He needs to marry uh, one of the Obama's daughters and create the God Emperor. It's, it's, it has to happen. It's the only way America's uh, destiny can be salvaged from oblivion. Because the, 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 the sire of that union would in fact be uh, clearly the either Antichrist... Uh, or uh, Messiah. Either way, the story is over. And uh, we will either get a thousand years of peace or, uh, or darkness. It would be really funny if Kimberly Guilfoyle is the one who was able to have a successful political career and Donald Trump Jr. had to become, go from being a, a presidential uh son to like a senatorial husband that would be very fitting
No, Bar- no, Bristol Palin. The Palins are second class. The Palins are not one of the pure bloodlines. Are you fucking kidding me? Two, two years as governor of Alaska, then a national punching bag, and then a failed campaign, and then she, what, got a fucking uh, reality TV show and Instagram tummy tea ads out of it? Are you fucking kidding me? Obama, the last two presidents, the people who were able to will themselves to power through sheer uh, craven need to be liked. The only difference is that Obama wanted the like of the specific uh, cottier of elite power brokers, whereas Trump wanted the like of his dead father in the form of the mass of American public, i.e. everyone who could possibly see him. And they both were driven to power, one through just a, a focused ambition and cold-blooded pursuit of power, the other through a focused ambition on being famous. And then, oh, what's this? The fecklessness of one of these guys contributed to the degradation of the political process so that it becomes merely a question of entertainment. And what's this? The guy who's best at being famous is now also president. Oh, so you've got the two strains of uh, ambition, the two, str- the two bloodlines of, of will, of power. They're the firstborn of the 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 uh, the firstborn product of their bloodlines coming together will be the Napoleonic figure who embraces, embodies, and subsumes the contradictions of American and, in fact, global life within himself or herself. So yeah, I'm going to say Sasha, she's the older one, right? Or Malia. The older one and uh, Baron, shall marry. I guess the younger one, they're closer in age. All right, Malia then. Malia Obama and Baron Trump will produce uh, the God Emperor of uh, Warhammer. Somebody says, who directs the Donald Trump Jr. biopic? That's a very good question. Somebody were making a biopic, or biopic as some weirdos say, about Donald Trump Jr. who would play it. Well, all the cocaine and twitchy energy makes you immediately think Safties. And certainly they do good stuff about people who are in over their heads, which Donald Trump Jr. definitely is. But the thing is, is that there isn't really an urgency underlining it because Donald Trump Jr. is never in physical or financial danger. He is always going to be inured from anything other than just public humiliation. So you need somebody with less of an existential edge and urgency to their work. Uh, hmm. I don't think the Coens... No, no, I don't think so. That... Uh, Donald Trump Jr. is such a pat character and such a path uh, a fair character of pathos that you need a director who is able to provide more of a clear transparent screen between themselves as creators and the character. Like what I mean is that 
if they if not if the Coens did DJ TJ, it wouldn't be DJ TJ. It would be some Cohen Brothers uh, like uh, riff on it, which is it would be interesting, but not what I would imagine in the ideal DJ TJ bi- uh, biopic, because he feels like a character who could not who uh, cannot be parodied. It is just like a pure embodiment. He's a literary character. Uh, Alexander Payne, maybe? He does, like, that ennui very well, but... <laughs> Verhoeven. Verhoeven would be funny. But once again, I don't think I want people who are going to heighten it too much. I want people who are going to play it relatively straight. Like, you guys are all thinking of these fun riffs, and it's like, okay, that's an interesting idea, but it's... Then you're, if, if that's the question, you're not really answering who is making a DJ TJ movie. It's who is making a movie that's going to feature that as like a side character or something. Like who is making the, the, this person himself, as close as we can understand him, the subject of a film? Uh, there has to be a Todd Solons. Todd Solon's good choice. Adam McKay could do good with like this, like the absurdity of his character and stuff, but I worry that he would uh, forget the pathos. Heidecker is not a bad idea. Well, Heidecker is such a great channeler of Trump energy in general. Uh, Heidecker, of course, would be very good. Hey, what if it was Tim Heidecker? Wouldn't that be funny? Tim Heidecker and Eric... uh, Eric Wittgensteinheim. Scorsese? No, they're not Catholic. Nope. They're not Catholic. Are you fucking kidding me? Harmony Corinne's not a bad idea, but it feels a little basic. Kundun is a Catholic movie. Are you kidding me? Of course Kundun's a Catholic movie. No, I know Martin Scorsese can make movies about about non-Catholics, but I just don't think that the specific architecture of the, this character's angst is too orthogonal to his his instinctive understanding of of sin and uh, and uh, 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 self hatred and like mortification.
Danny McBride and Jody Hill. Yeah, I guess. Also, seems like one-to-one. Zack Snyder. Okay, we found it. Actually, Michael Bay in pain and gain mode would do well, I think. In fact, if Donald Trump Jr. could write a movie about himself and then have it directed by Michael Bay, I think that might be the greatest film ever made. Has anybody ever said this about Twitter before, that it's essentially tech support for, like, the American experiment? Like, people are essentially typing in their complaints about living in America. The way you go to, you know, uh, Amazon or something if your package doesn't show up. But there's no one manning it. Like, we're all manning it. We're we're just manning it. There's no one actually, like, picking up the the message and responding to it. That's kind of funny. Safety brothers, Hunter Biden, on the other hand, now we're talking because you can see a death wish in Hunter Biden's behavior. That kind of, you know, uh, that kind of thing where, uh, that they excel at where you create this situation where in most movies, the character, the main character is like presumed alive and all, and the joy is just following him through the things that pop up. Like their movies are the opposite is that the characters are doomed and the, the tension is just seeing how they're going to uh, be annihilated. Uh, and like, that's why I don't think DJ TJ would work because that guy He's a soft boy. He's he he doesn't have the he does not have like the ambition of spirit that Hunter does to be that tormented by what a loser he is. He can get it all through getting coked up and going to CPAC and and share swapping knock knock jokes about the deficit with Jerry Falwell Jr. He's never going to be in a situation where he destroys himself. I was thinking of Lars von Trier. I think von Trier could do Donald Trump Jr. for sure. I think he could do Hunter too, honestly. Uh, I'm actually going as Halloween tomorrow. I'm going to an outdoor gathering, and it's going to be a little cold, so I'm wearing. I've I'm, I've got a combination. It's it's pretty. I think it's pretty brilliant. I'm going to wear my red tracksuit, but with my Hawaiian button-up shirt, and then. So I'll, I'll look exactly like Teddy KGB, basically. But then on top of that, to get meta, I'm going to wear my uh, official uh, crew member jacket from the film Con Air. And then I will be John Malkovich. So I'll be going as John Malkovich. If I can find any other stuff in and around my house that I could relate to another John Malkovich role... Uh, that's what I would do. I hope to do.
Yorgo, based on the favorite, I'd say, yeah, Yorgos could pull it off. Although I'm not a huge fan of his, honestly. I haven't really been blown away by any of his movies. Yeah, I know the tracksuit is Rounders. He's John Malkovich. He's dressed up like one character from a movie. He's wearing his jacket from a different movie that he was in. Like he's on set, maybe, and it's chilly. Dogtooth's okay. I never got what everyone loved about Dogtooth. Didn't really like the, the deer movie with Colin Farrell. Lobster I act- actively disliked. And uh, the favorite was, was just all right for me, dog. It was like three and a half. I'm actually excited for, if, if Biden does win, I'm actually excited for the show for Chapo afterwards because we're finally going to get to do what we had wanted to do originally when we thought Hillary was going to fucking win, which was to provide a like countercultural critique of a ruling Democratic Party from the left that refused to be absorbed into a coalition of government against the Republicans because they're, you know, hey, they're doing what they can or whatever bullshit operated under Obama. And then we didn't get it. And so we had to, like, coexist with these fucking, this, like, resistance coalition, this popular front. Uh, and Biden gets in there, especially during this fucking massive crisis. We're going to actually get to do what we always wanted to do, which was to, to, par- to polarize the relationship between the Democratic Party and the putative people who make it up as voters. And the fact that, like, I think there will for a while anyway be, a, like, a, a, a reduction in cultural, like, bullshit just as people take a breath. A breath? That's going to be nice, too, to just not have everything be just this frenzied culture war at all times. But, of course, we don't think we influence national politics. I'm saying, as an artistic enterprise, that has value to me. I don't fucking think it's gonna, we're going to, like, destroy the Democrats. Is gonna hopefully the people who listen to the show can self-identify in such a way that can they can be a poll that other people are pulled towards. And if they aren't, they aren't. They are to some extent. It's a question of how much. And I don't know. I know it's not a lot. But the Democrats must be destroyed. I mean, that was true in 2016. It's way more true now. Democratos delenda est. I mean, the party must be annihilated. Belden program could help with that, hopefully. I think everyone should, I think anybody with a podcast should be cynical about their impact because to do otherwise is to, I think, lose perspective. Because I'm trying to pull away every day from the idea that the, 
that the discourse represents a real project, that the people engaging in it, even though it makes them feel like they're part of a political project, are actually part of one. And I don't want to in any way indulge that idea. It's outside. God, why is everybody freaking out all the time? I know that we're all in uh, we're in Corona uh, apocalypse, which who could have predicted? But does I mean I don't know. Is Trump right a little bit? Like the, he keeps saying that the deaths are down, and the thing is, deaths are down, and it also doesn't seem like anyone seems to really care that we're way over the le- like the records for transmissions. No one cares. Like. People are saying about another lockdown. I'm not even hearing even a glimmer of a, of, of a, of a suggestion anywhere that they're going to lock anything down. Like, it does seem like we are, without anyone being the one who's doing it, everyone with our eyes closed, like, foot on the gas, but not holding the, uh, holding the steering wheel, going, we're just going to normalize this shit. It's just going to normalize. It's going to be a thing that you have to factor into public life and existence, working and going out. You might catch the dang Rona until the vaccine shows up. Yeah, Spain's in lockdown, but we're not going to do it. I will not get the Rona. I'm already. I. I. I have. I'm. I'm fairly. I'm fairly certain. Until I get it, and then I will have always been destined to get it. It is pretty astounding how badly we're doing. But the thing is, is that. Europe's doing bad, too. It's not just the United States, you know? There's something else going on than just America's specific frontier stupidity. And honestly, that makes me wonder, could... Like, people say that Trump is responsible for all these deaths, and I'm sure he's responsible for some... Because they did make a lot of terrible, terrible decisions. But if you think that maybe like it not being contained and therefore the waves just kind of echoing off one another instead of ever receding because you can't get the, the lid on the thing tightly enough, doesn't that mean that eventually you get to uh, like the same level of infection regardless of who would have been in charge? I kind of suspect that we would be around this number no matter who is president. Because, like, the Europeans are basically, like, they've got a... They've got... They're they're the slightly less advanced version of us. They're the less neoliberalized, less marketized version of us. Like, they still have cultural 
you know, they still have cultural resistance to full marketization. They still have institutions that reflect that. But, uh, and I mean, obviously they are ha- be having that stripped away by the marketization of life. Uh, but it's in a less advanced process than ours. But the overall framework is the same because the results speak for themselves. Europe is once again completely fucked. Even though they don't have Trump running around telling people that they're pussies if they wear a mask. It honestly makes you think that Sweden, because they are the country of blank-eyed Lutheran zombies for whom life is a walking shadow, neither good nor bad, just the the neutral planet from... uh, from Futurama, they could look through all the uh, baffling obfuscations of cultural uh, denial. No, no, no. We're a country that can value life, and we can have it both ways. We can keep the economy and keep people alive, and we because we care about human lives. All this frenzy, lockdown, lockup, unlock, and that no, they didn't lock down. And it goes through you. All you got to do is not care if you die. You just have to get to the end of the, the, the denial cycle, the denial to acceptance. And I'm not saying like that would it, that's like better than a successful project, but clearly nobody had the capacity in the Western world to pull off a successful fucking uh, project of containment. Because nobody did. China did very well, obviously. Uh, Vietnam did very well. And is still doing well. New Zealand does not get to brag. They are two tiny-ass islands in the middle of nowhere. Islands, honestly, don't get to brag too much. Any island where you can just shut off uh, the border, to me, does not get to brag too much. During the Thirty Years' War, it was often commented that the Swedish soldiers were terrifying to the Catholic armies that faced them because they marched into battle with completely slack expressions. They didn't appear to be alive. It was like an army of the dead. And people were freaked out by it. All those lusty Bohemians and Bavarians, those, those, uh, those beer garden and, uh, uh, and vineyard decadent Catholics... Terrified. I gotta say, the fact that New Zealand legalized euthanasia but not weed, that one has got me perfuffled because like, there are certain social issues that kind of bundle together. The kind of people who worry about 
the sanctity of life being violated by allowing people to opt out of uh, life themselves uh, are generally also hostile to the notion of bringing uh, uh, another intoxicant into the realm of the possible so for because they are concerned about social cohesion like that's their conservative principle that is animating that you can talk about how it's all actually racism or whatever and it there's a part of that too but that's like the the logic of it so they often run in parallel and yet people are like yeah you should get to kill yourself but marijuana it's no good i mean what do they think what do they think weed does did they just get reefer madness over there they just watched it because if you've already got, because honestly, like there are arguments to be made to, you know, in a functioning society, uh, have restrictions on certain drugs. I think once again, not in this social order, but in a functioning society, to have a social taboo that maybe must be enforced in some way against certain substances, just because of the 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 way that they could, you know, be socially uh, uh, dangerous. Uh. But if you say any argument you make, any drug you'd ar- make uh, make that argument for, if you agree that alcohol is is not one of them, then you have no leg to stand on on weed. I'm sorry. If you've got legal alcohol, then there is no standing to ban weed because alcohol is by far more socially corrosive than marijuana could ever hope to be in any axis you choose. So while I agree that there are theoretical places where the law should prescribe certain dangerous uh, indulgences because of their socially destabilizing nature. If we have metabolized fucking alcohol at a social level and accepted that amount of, uh, then this is not a society that is actually caring about social cohesion when they ban uh, a drug. And therefore, weed should 100% not be banned. So yeah, like the alcohol line for me means that basically everything we call an illegal drug in this country should be legal. You're telling on yourself as a society about why you actually have these things banned. That it has nothing to do with preserving a social order. Because you allow in this thing. And yes, they tried to ban it. And actually the experience of prohibition helped uh, uh Reform the American relationship to alcohol. American alcohol consumption plunged after Prohibition. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that, of course. The, the shift from uh, you know people working on farms to living in cities is one of the big reasons, honestly, because you couldn't be shit-faced at work all day. But part of it was the experience of prohibition like made made like the social relationship with alcohol fraught and made people reassert it because you know one of the big driving forces of prohibition was the women's suffrage movement and it was considered a uh, a feminist issue because women thought that men were beating the hell out of their wives because they were drunk all the time and even if you might say well that's just treating a symptom not the cause it was a pretty blaring symptom But what I'm saying is, is that coming out of prohibition, we had metabolized alcohol as a social ill. That means anything less than alcohol, we can metabolize. And then when you consider how much less than alcohol, 
Many of the ones that are still banned are, like any hallucinogen, certainly fucking uh, marijuana. Certainly, Kratom. I mean, my God, get me out of here. Katie, bar the door. We love our Kratom, folks. Don't we love it? I could never, I could, the, 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 the ephemeral pleasure of ingesting Kratom for me would never outweigh the, the visceral disgust of consuming it. People keep asking me about Maradona. Why would I? I mean, I, he's a left-wing soccer guy from Argentina who cheated Argentina to a World Cup in the 80s and is allegedly a big fan of cocaine. How have hallucinogens have not been absorbed into, into capitalism outside of the black market? I mean, in that sense, everything's absorbed into capitalism. Every, every, every commodity is absorbed into capitalism. And that is true. I mean, the, the, the black market, like drug money undergirds, is the, is the liquid engine of global capitalism. Like one of the things that saved the global economy from a complete uh, shutdown in 2008 was the liquidity of the system that was injected in the form of massive amounts of laundered drug money that existed in the global banking system. Oh, if you mean like like guys taking acid to like be better capitalists, California, man, the California ideology. The 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 that the, the post sixties turn after the cultural shift, the the after cultural change uh, had had exhausted its capacity to change the political structure in the seventies. People looked inward, and in California, a bunch of people came together and said. The system is immovable. The system is corrosive. The system is soul-destroying. We must transcend it by essentially seceding from the system and creating our own systems. Not as a class, of course, but as individuals. And the Internet became the way that they did that. And they are so tunneled into their notion of, like, Innovation and technological advancement being the sine qua non of human consciousness raising. Like they basically looked at the failed structures of American life and said, the only way we're out of getting out of this is a technological solution because the political is, uh, is foreclosed. There is a technological solution to our social ailments, our social sickness that we all experienced during Vietnam. And the civil rights movement, the sickness we knew was in the heart of the system and we tried to change it and it didn't work. We're going to change it technologically. And then they are so fully, in, they're so at base convinced of this fact that they are pursuing this hyper-capitalism that is dissolving the world into liquid goo, into fucking, uh, you know, nanobots of, of exchange. They're accelerating, they're hyper-accelerating towards this point because it's the only 
thing that they think can uh, transcend our dying system, our dying social order. And so when they take mushrooms, when they take acid, when they do the mind expansion, when they like commune with the collective unconscious and the eternal, you know, moment, they're doing it through the lens of technology, through the lens of applying the thin wedge of reality to like pry open the actual atoms of existence as opposed to, uh, you know, the, the broader questions of why you would be doing that in the first place. And that means that they're so far from that, that, and they're so baffled and uh, self-deceived by the fact that what they think they're moving towards, what they think that they're cooperating off of, this roadmap towards utopia, is actually just the algorithm of the value form and of uh, uh, profit extraction. And that's it. They are, some of them know that, but many of them I, I don't think know, at least, or they don't want to know. And it allows them to, to, uh, yeah, they've, they're, they're captured. And that's why you can never do the thing. Hey man, they should just spike the water or whatever. People bring to the experience of hallucinogens, their own minds, and that can be changed. And the fact that you get hit orthogonally to your life can make that productive, but it doesn't have to be productive. If you hit the wrong thing, it clangs. And then, oh boy. Like, uh, if anyone's seen Mandy, the guy who leads the the uh, the cult that kills Mandy and provokes the rage of Nicolas Cage, Jeremiah Sand, who's sort of a, a man inspired man a Manson-esque figure. He's the guy who leads an acid cult, and he's a former uh, and failed uh, musician, which is like Manson was. And there's a part where he has Mandy uh, kidnapped, and he's dosed her with LSD, and he's on acid, LSD. And he explains to her how in a moment of, uh, of uh, transcendent, you know, highness of, 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 of tripping, he felt like the universal forgiveness, you know, for all. And that's a real p component of any, like, spiritual experience is, is that, that it, touching uh, on a knowledge of, like, how everything that ever happened had to happen the way that it did. And therefore, there is no blame, and therefore, you can be forgiven. That is always there. And he says, I had that. But then, he said, and that told me that that means that anything in the world is for me, and I can take it, and, it's, and, then, and then I can do anything wrong. And it's like, no, 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 that you, you took a right, wrong turn there. And that's because he was coming at it from the head he had. Everything is just this... It's an incredible human human evolution of any kind, individual or or species wide or 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 anything is dependent on just this random stochastic banging together of elements of of the collision that is mostly usually either empty or harmful and occasionally good sparks flying in the darkness. <clears throat> but the other thing that happens when you get really like in a moment of, of, of uh, if you're really tripping and feeling like you're really locked in somewhere, you get access to something that is a universal knowledge and you get this 
realization that, oh, I actually do kind of know everything because like I literally am everything in a certain way. And so, wait a minute, am I God? Am I the sole repository of consciousness in the universe? If so, I have to live forever. And I'm going to subordinate the lives of everyone around me and the future of my planet to a fantasy of me turning into some sort of eternal robot. Yes, y'all motherfuckers do need Spinoza. Speak on him. Baruch. Baruch, Baruch, Baruch is on fire. We don't need no monads. Let the motherfucker fire. All right, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to be uh, signing off in a moment here. So I'll see if there's maybe one question anyone wants to ask. Which president fucked the most? Well, as much as you want to say JFK, since he died when he was 46. 45? Uh, he probably wasn't him. So I got to go LBJ. Lived about 20 years longer. And as he once said, I, have mo I had more women on accident than Jack Kennedy had on purpose. Bill Clinton might be up there, though. Bill Clinton seems to be pretty compulsive about it. More so even than uh, Johnson was. All right, guys. Peace.